What is going on, guys? Welcome to another episode of the Hamilton Train Podcast. I'm your host, Jared Hamilton. Once again, today I have my buddy Dylan with me. Dylan um, basically has an amazing story. He has more reasons than anyone I know of to basically not do anything fitness related from all sorts of crazy shit you're about to hear. Um, talking about overcoming adversity, uh, excuses, basically going from a situation I bet you can't even fathom to now going and doing some crazy stuff like competing, representing the United States at like the World Transplant Games, starting his own fitness brand, coaching people, and basically coming from a really bad place. So what's up, man? What's going on, man? Pleasure to be here. Cool, cool. I'm looking forward to talking to you about all this. For sure, for sure. All right, Dylan, so let's do this. Um, Guys, this is actually uh, take two because... uh, Take two. Yeah, take Take two. two. We're redoing it (laughs) because somehow the... We had we had about a fucking half hour episode of gold gold shit gold uh, recorded and it we'll just say it got deleted so <laughs> we're trying this again so everything happens for a reason right so anyway um, Dylan I want to, uh, basically everyone I want you to tell everybody a little bit about your um, what happened with you your background um, you know everything from where you know you were. At your worst with what happened with the heart transplant with the one leg with literally like guys i'm telling you literally dylan i'm like no offense i've never known anyone with as many issues as you have thank so you. thank you it's a pleasure um, one it's leg pleasure. fake heart new heart broken heart like rejected heart seven i don't know you just just start talking it's a pleasure it's a pleasure <laughs> all right so yeah jared said my name is dylan deem uh i was uh at the age of three I was diagnosed with cancer. Uh, synovial cell sarcoma is the cancer it's called. It affects one to three in every million children annually. So, you know, I get like 0.004567%. Those are, those are lottery ticket numbers. Dude, man. lottery, like hit, hitting the gold, you know. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, it, and it, it's an aggressive cancer, bone cancer, that um, you know, often results in amputation. Um, and basically it was just wrapped around my toes on my left leg, uh, in the forefoot, kind of, uh, midway up the foot. So the treatment to that is amputation. And we did six months of chemotherapy during that process. And, uh, the chemo, you know, being the nasty drug that it is, it actually damaged my heart, you know, during that process. Um, and, uh, so essentially, uh, when I was four years old that next year, uh, I'm adding some stuff. You're good, dude. Do your uh, thing. Okay. Do your thing. Okay. We're just totally. Cool. You're good. Just, just throwing that. No, in. you're good, bro. All right. You're good. So, I'll just, I'll just start out with yeah. when I was four years old. Yeah. So you can just edit this out, but, or whatever. It's your thing. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not telling you what. No, you're good, dude. Okay. Um, so that next year when I was four years old, I, uh, you know, I got diagnosed with cardiomyopathy, basically the enlargement of the heart. Uh, when any organ is enlarged. So is this when you, so you, so this is when you had your heart from birth yeah th- okay this is my native heart so got it it's a it's a weird feeling saying my native heart. yeah no kidding <laughs> yeah. so so yeah it was uh it was after my six months of chemo uh my heart became enlarged and when your heart becomes enlarged it has to work harder uh and over time being forced to work harder it uh you know it becomes weak mm-hmm. so when i was 13 years old i got diagnosed with congestive heart failure uh, and essentially that's where your heart can't pump enough oxygenated blood to the organs mm-hmm. and, uh, your body retaliates by retaining fluid, uh, 
you have chest pain, you have palpitations. Um, but mainly the fluid retentive properties and the weakened heart are the uh, you know the main instigators yeah. of that disease. Um, and uh, so yeah, that that started that journey. Uh, five year mortality rate is 50%. That's fucked up. Uh, so yeah, I, I reached that five year mortality rate at you know, 17, 18 years old. Um, kind of expecting my life to end, you know, but... Uh, that's, just, that's, that's crazy for it, a kid to think. You yeah, know, that's fucked up. Yeah, it is a, it's a scary fucking feeling. Dude. I bet, man. Um, but yeah, it was, we managed to push on for another five years. So a 10-year mortality rate is 10%. Mm. So top top ten percent. Um, you should go buy two lottery tickets. Dude, yeah, like <laughs> I don't know if I should be lucky or uh, what. What do you whatever you want to call it? You know. That's nuts. Um. So, so yeah, I was in my last semester of college. You and I had went to school together. Yeah, we met. Uh, kinesiology majors, both mm-hmm. of us. Uh, many classes, Jared. Smart, yep. smart guy. Nah, you know. Smart guy. Yeah. I barely made it through college. You know, <laughs> yeah. <just kidding. laughs> so so. Uh, I was on my last semester, I, 23 years old, uh, and then my heart was only functioning at 15%. And, uh, crazy. you know, at that point, you need a new heart. Yeah, no kidding. You need a new heart. We, we had tried these advanced uh, therapies and surgeries and all this stuff, and nothing worked, not even my medication. Um, so it just came to the point where we got off all my medications, you know, I had devices like pacemaker. I had defibrillator in as well. Um, I've had several surgeries to try to shock my heart back in the rhythm because I fell in the atrial fibrillation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, all this, the weakening of the heart, it leads to more issues and more issues yeah. and more issues. So, you know, at that time I had four different heart diseases. Um, and it was, you know, it was hard to live like that. Yeah. You know, While having one leg. While having one leg, yeah. So amputee I lived with heart failure for 20 years for 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 the most part um I kind of count the cardiomyopathy as heart disease yeah 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 so it was it was a very it was a very treacherous journey up to transplant yeah well and that's what I want you to dive in a little bit and talk again again about uh about the actual transplant transplant procedure because mm-hmm. I don't think people I think I think people just in the nature of being uneducated, they're like, oh yeah, I had a tra- heart transplant. It's like having a root canal. It's like, no, it's no, not. No. So, because it literally made the first 20 years, 26, 25 years of your life a living hell, basically. Yeah. Um, and honestly, logically speaking, you probably shouldn't have made it through all that. Right, yeah. So, I mean, there, I should have been dead 23 years ago. I should have been dead 10 years ago. I should have been dead three years ago. You know, trying to overcome all these obstacles, you know, just to have a shot, to have a chance, you know, to have that one, you know, that one last breath to mm-hmm. live this life, you know. It's It's been a fight just to get to here. I guarantee it. You know, um, and yeah, a transplant, some people think you just go in and they put it. Swap the old one out, put the new one in like yeah, an engine. And then boom, you're, you're good. <laughs> good as new, you know, you're going home in like a week, you know, and that's not the, that's not the case, you know. Um, it's more complicated, but typically, uh, you know, a patient goes home within a month to six weeks, you know, after after the transplant, if things go good. But but you were in the hospital how many days? I was in the hospital for 134 days. That's and uh, 
being the king of complications here. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so my story, I had my first tart December 2014. Uh, that very same day, not even a whole 24 hours later, I that heart rejected. Uh, there's three stages of rejection, and I was at the worst stage. Um, and the whole right side of that heart just completely died. That's crazy. Yeah, it, it died. It wasn't even working. Um, wasn't even a single beat or pulse within the ventricle or the atrium. It uh, was like just like literally like dead as fuck. Yeah, it, I mean, just like looking at a stillborn baby on an ultrasound. You know, that's crazy. Like, and, and it it gave the same emotion too. You know, like here you are. You know, after twenty years of suffering from chronic disease, and you're you're given something that's gonna you know that's promised to give you a better life mm -hmm. like the sunnier days are coming the greener grass is just right around the corner and then it died it died yeah like that same day and that's just a big slap to reality you know no like, kidding you know like you have your hopes high and uh they just get stomped on you know but um but yeah that first not even first 24 hours the heart heart failed uh right side died I fell in the stage four kidney failure as well. Um, I had to be put on a heart pump device called an RVAD. Uh, it's exactly like the RVAD, mm -hmm. um, which assists the right side of the heart. Basically, it just pulls blood from from your legs and extremities, hmm. the deoxygenated blood. Okay. It's a hard word to say, yeah. <laughs> by the way. Um, and basically, it just runs it through a tube into your lungs. Okay. Um, to get oxygenated, and then the left side was working fine. Hmm. So it could come out of the body and do all that stuff. But um, I was on that, and I was on 24-hour kidney dialysis as well. Um, and the thing was, we tried to give this heart, that first heart, a chance, you know. That, that pump was trying to help it rest, and maybe the hopes was to get that right side to recover. Yeah. Uh, but it never did, and within... About ten days later, I was relisted, but um, but the thing was, I had to I had to work hard. You know, I wasn't strong enough to survive another major transplant yeah, that's surgery. that's a big deal. And uh, during this six week period, I ended up having complications. Had a total of seven open heart surgeries. Uh, that Arvad, which was solely supporting me at that time, along with the dialysis. Uh, it clotted off on New Year's Day, so... Happy New Year! Happy New Year, yeah. Don't you know, fucking die. Like, let's bring, <laughs> in, uh, let's bring in 2015 with a bang, you know? Uh, real bang, yeah. That's nuts. So we went back in the OR, re replaced the whole unit, came back to the ICU, uh, and within 10 minutes later, I had to go back to the OR again. Internal bleeding, uh, massive internal bleeding. You know, they, they, went through, uh, they went through 20 pints of blood on me that's a lot that's a lot of blood yeah Damn. i mean you don't have that much in your body yeah but, yeah, yeah but i was i was losing that much and they just had to keep transfusing it into me that's crazy yeah and uh i was sedated for a couple of days and i woke back up and you know when your life's on the line and you have a dead heart inside of your chest and you're being supported by all these life support machines and 15 medications saloon atop you mm -hmm. um you don't have time to rest. You know? Yeah. You need to get up and walk and do physical and occupational therapies. So, um, you know, I didn't have time to rest. I had to do it. They got me up. They made me. Um, 
I've just always had this work ethic, this drive. That, yeah. You know. Probably the only thing that kept you alive, to be honest. Yeah, you know, like, it was, you know, it's it's, it's a good thing to have. You know? yeah. <laughs> yeah. Definitely. But, uh, but yeah, I, I pushed hard. You know, even I'd have heart surgery the day before. You know, wake back up, do physical therapy, do occupational therapy. They had me eating, you know, at that time around 6,000 calories a day. Um, and that's something like hospitals don't normally do, but yeah. they needed me to recover and heal. What were you, what was your lowest weight? Um, well, we're going to, we'll get back to that okay, on okay. the second, on the second. Oh, got it, got it, got it, got, got it, got, got, it, got, got it. it. All right. So, um, but, but I'll, I'll get, I'll skip to those. Got second. it, got it, got so, it. Okay. You're good, you're good. So, so yeah, you know, I was eating, eating a lot of calories. Uh, and then finally during the, the at the end of that six weeks, I was, I was ready for a heart and they had found one. Um, and I had that transplant January 19th, 2015. Um, and guess what happened? Failed. It did, it didn't fail, but it was stunned. So, uh, meaning that it kind of, it was working, it was healthy, but it was just kind of like quivering in there. Mm -hmm. It wasn't doing the job that it needed to. Mm -hmm. So they kept me sedated in a coma for 17 days. Um, so long. Yeah, you know, I was on, you know, I was on kidney dialysis. I had the ventilator in for a total of twenty two days, um, and uh, they had me on a machine called ECMO, which is uh, the fancy term extracorporeal membrane oxygenation. Um, basically, it's a heart lung machine. Hmm. Uh, it does the work of your heart and lungs for you, and it allows those organs to rest. So, uh, and that's the last line of defense before you die. Four day survival rate on that is thirty percent. They That's had crazy. They had me on it for ten days. Um, so, <laughs> so yeah, uh, another statistic, you know. Yeah, that. there you go. Um, so yeah, after ten days, the heart came back, started working, but you know they still wanted me under. So another seven days till they woke me up, uh, and then I woke up and uh, I lost sixty pounds. That's nuts. That's, yeah, and uh, at my lowest weight, I was 113 pounds at that that's time. Like, that's like a, like a nine-year-old. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's... I mean, literally... That's, not, that's, that's like nothing, dude. Literally, my forearms, my legs were... Like, my thighs, my quads, they were the size of my forearms. That's crazy. I, I've seen pictures. It's Yeah. It's, 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 it doesn't even look right. I mean, skin and bones, like... I had ribs you could see, you could see my clavicle, you know, my collarbone, you could see everything. You That's know? nuts. Um, and basically, you know, I was in the hospital for 134 days, um, and most of that time I was recovering after that second transplant. Mm-hmm. Um, want to ask anything? Um, what, now, as far as like, because I know you were talking about the... Uh... Everything from you had like garden sized hoses coming in and out of you. You were getting the, um, you were in there so long, you were like getting a psychosis kind of stuff. Like, well, tell me about that. Uh, yeah, so, so I was in, in the ICU for a total of 98 days. Um, and in this ICU, there, was, there were no windows to the outside world, there was uh, no privacy. You know, you get, you get a nurse coming in every hour at night taking your blood you know, testing you so you get no sleep. You're on these uh, mega doses of prednisone or these other steroid-like drugs that, 
It'll That's keep important. you amped at night. Dude, um, I've taken like I've had to take like small doses of prednisone to get like poison ivy to go away, mm-hmm. and I could tell I could like my kidneys fucking hurt. Yeah, and I felt like shit on these like two week doses of pill version of prednisone. What was your what What was your dose? Do you remember? Uh, it not even it wasn't much. What What was your dose? Uh, I was a thousand milligrams IV twice a day, followed by, yo, know, that was for three days, and then. 100 milligrams twice a day, and we tapered that over nine months. I don't even, I don't even know if my dose was 50 milligrams. Like, it was like, it was, it was, I had poison ivy, like, right around my eye, mm-hmm. and they even needed it gone. So, it wasn't, I mean, that's, and I could feel the difference on just, oh, yeah. like, that little bit. Definitely. That's retarded. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's not, it's not a, it's not a healthy, well, it works, but it's just not a nice no. drug. No, it's not. Not a nice drug, but. No. So, yeah, we're strung out on prednisone, all these immunosuppressant drugs, uh, I don't have stimuli like natural sunlight mm-hmm. or contact with people. Uh, it's a glass walls on all four sides. You know, no privacy. People are looking into your room while like a goldfish or something. Yeah, I mean, you're you're a animal caged in the zoo. You know, like they're just staring at you. And uh, at this time, I had you know eight quarter size chest tubes. Um, you know, I had. You know, I had dialysis still in me, catheters in my neck, uh, 15 medications atop me. And, uh, you know, I was pretty much paralyzed. I couldn't move anything besides my arms and legs. And when you're deprived of that stimuli, when you're deprived of these normal things that everybody takes for granted, like, you know, being able to talk or being able to, you know, turn yourself over or being able to shit by yourself, yeah. you know, like, you know, things happen. Like, yeah. Yeah, I developed ICU psychosis in there. Uh, pretty common, you know, if you're in there for long enough. And, yeah. You know, you're deprived of these things. But I was hallucinating. I thought the nurses and doctors were trying to kill me. You know, I, oh my goodness. You know, like I would see the nurses come in, and you know, for some reason they were crying and they had blood all over their faces because the doctors would beat them and hit them all the time. But That's they, crazy. They were holding me in their arms, saying, "It's okay, Dylan. You're gonna be okay." You know, and mm. like it's just. Freaky shit. You yeah, know? No like kidding, like dude. stuff you don't even want to like. Yeah, that's like CSI shit. Right yeah, there. yeah. Like it was just fucking like delirium, like to the max. Yeah, you know, and um, you know, I got the I got the ventilator out after I woke up. Uh, they put a trach in, and uh, that process weaning off is, you know, it's a difficult thing. You you can't talk. You know, you can't communicate. Um, and basically, I had this little death board. Um, it had a little, it had a little keyboard, like a computer, Yeah. you know, and I would type out each individual letter of what I wanted, followed by the space bar. <laughs> like it would take me at least five minutes for a sentence, you know? That's crazy. And then nobody could understand what I was saying. That's, so it's so frustrating. Yeah. You know? No kidding. Um, yeah. And finally I got out of the ICU. I got a little, you know, healthy enough. Uh, you know, I, I was at a point where I couldn't even sit up on the side of the bed. Uh, by myself, I, my core is just so weak. I just, mm-hmm. you know, fall, I just fall backwards. Um, but we got up to the transplant floor where it's, you know, peaceful, yeah. serene. You got a big fucking window. With like, with like the, the hospital's like light tower, which is the beacon of hope. Yeah. Like just portrayed just right there. Um, and over the course of the next 24 days, I, you know, I got better. You know, we got the trach out. Um, I was able to, 
you know, build my strength up to being able to stand on the side of the bed. We use a device called a Sarasteady. Basically, it just supports your hamstrings, mm-hmm. and you kind of you kind of do like a a sissy squat. Yeah, on the way up. up. Yeah, but but you have bars you can hold on to the. Okay. Pull yourself up, but the goal is not to yeah not to use mm-hmm. a lot of your upper body strength. Um, I got to where on you know my last few days I was walking two hundred feet on a walker, um, which is a big feat from literally making like not being able to move. Yeah, literally being dead in the hospital bed with your chest ripped open for seventeen days. You know that's you come from that to walking two hundred feet on a walker yeah. in period of three months. I mean that's that's a pretty it's a big jump. It's a big jump. It doesn't sound like a lot, but I mean, when you're in that situation, it's a, it's a yeah. big, it's a big fucking jump, you know. Um, and I was at the point where I was healthy enough to get out. Like my heart was fine, everything was good, but I just couldn't, you know, I I couldn't drive myself to anywhere. I couldn't go to the store. Mm-hmm. I couldn't even step up a six inch step, you know. So, the next transition was inpatient rehab. Yeah, that's crazy. So. You're so literally like to bring things in perspective. The first, literally, the quote unquote best years of your life were the rock bottom, which most normal humans couldn't fathom. Exactly, yeah. So, tell me a little bit about basically how you went from at that point where you were literally dead on a on a fucking table, heart failed, or seven fucking trans, or seven whatever operations, multiple transplants, all this crazy shit, gained, how much weight did you end up gaining? Like around 100 pounds after once you got healthy and you were able to move forward, you gained like 100 pounds. Um, how, 100 pounds of good weight. How, right. um, how, tell me about that transition, how you literally went from the rock bottom of the rock bottom to where you're now literally competing in Spain, representing the United States, starting your own fitness brand, starting coaching people, and literally you're like taking your life back. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, so got home in April 2015. Uh, got up and weighed a little bit. I was about 128 pounds at that time. Um, but really, uh, it just came down to work ethic, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, I had to put in the work. You know, I, I wasted... I wouldn't say I wasted, but I spent the last two decades of my life, you know, suffering from chronic disease. And uh, when every day you wake up and your main goal is to simply survive, you know, like living life becomes easy, mm-hmm. you know? So, um, although it wasn't an easy process. Right. But, but like you have, you have an idea of what you want and you 100%. have goals and you have these things that you want to accomplish. Like, you know, I missed out on childhood memories. I missed out on teenage years. I missed out... You know, in the early 20s, like, this is my time to, like, get that back. Like You didn't just I, waller in your, your own little sadness. No, no. I was I was 23, living my childhood, you know, finally living my childhood. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, like that was my chance to finally start my life. Mm-hmm. And um, that first year after transplant, you know, I'm eating 10,000 calories a day. I'm working out twice a day. I'm using that knowledge that you and I both, you know, learned that foundational Mm-hmm. Uh, that foundational stuff from school, you know, from our kinesiology backgrounds, uh, applying that to everyday life and uh, focusing on getting stronger, trying to gain lean mass, uh, you know, and yeah, in that first year, I gained, gained almost 100 pounds, you know, it was about, about 93 pounds, and uh, it was at that time where I'd heard about something called the 
U.S. Transplant Games. Uh, it's also called the Transplant Games of America. Uh, that may sound a little fancier. <laughs> uh, but uh, basically, it's just where transplant patients, and uh, they have living donors, too, who compete in competition. They come from all states, and this one was held in Cleveland, Ohio. And uh, I went there. I competed in six sports. I won five medals. That's sick. So two bronze and uh, scratch that. Two silver and three bronze. Yeah, medals. there you go. That's awesome, man. And um, but yeah, it was, it was something that I simply couldn't do before transplant, you know. And um, <clears throat> y'all from <clears throat> sorry, from uh, from there, I I qualified to compete in the World Transplant Games in Spain. In Spain, at Malaga, Spain. Yeah. So in, in these games, you represent your country. So. As a Team USA athlete, you get all the fancy jackets, get, yeah, all, boy, get all the sponsorships, <laughs> you know, yeah. And, um, you know, so went over to Spain. Uh, I competed in four sports, medaled in two. You know, this was, I mean, there was 15,000 people that went there. And and you, when you were, and you, you mentioned it on the first run of this episode, uh, you were still in recovery. Yeah. That's what's that's I, I that's what's fucked up. You were you weren't even a hundred percent. You're hundred no. percent. No, I wasn't a hundred percent. You know, it takes takes about three years to you know recover from a heart transplant. So um, how long is this post surgery? I am. I was three um, three years and no, like the um, the the, oh, oh, the the event the world transplant yeah. games. Uh, this was two and a half years out. That's crazy. So so yeah, still recovering, and at that time I actually injured myself. You know, I fractured my femur. That's fucked up. Completely broke it <laughs> off the bone, you know. It's just, I mean, it was just laying around on the inside of my knee, you know, a piece of that bone. And, uh, you know, I learned through life, through all the struggles that I went through, you know, from simply waking up just to survive. Like, you know, pain is inevitable, you know. Mm -hmm. But, like, the glory that you're going to receive from pushing and, you know, going through that suffering. Yeah. And, you know, just grabbing life by the balls and... You yep. know, fucking that bitch up. That's you know? right, man. Like, I love it. The glory you're going to receive from that, you know, far, yeah. far exceeds, you know, what you're feeling right now. So, so yeah, I went in there with a fractured fucking femur, dude. Like, threw Shapa, threw Discus, won two bronze medals. Um, and then just recently I just had, you know, finally finally got my knee fixed. So, yep, so that, that was a good thing. But, yeah, man, like, and today just uh, feeling good. I actually have a Paralympic competition coming up. Oh, really? So I'm getting into the Paralympic scene now. Uh, coming up in a couple months. It's it's a, it's a local one. If I do well in that, we go to national level, and then I'll be a Team USA athlete on another. That's badass. In another field too. So that's cool. That's cool. Yeah. Gonna have a collection of those jackets. That's there awesome. You go, yeah. That's cool. Um. Now tell tell me about the book. You wrote a book. Yeah. I, uh, which everyone needs to get a copy. Um. I have a copy. It's a great book. Um. And now that what tell now tell me a little bit about the book. Yeah, the the book uh, I wrote is called Heart of a Champion. Um, it it just talks about my life, you know, my life adventures, the struggles, growing up with chronic disease. You know, I cover the cancer days. I cover, you know, growing up as a young amputee. You know what it was like to transition back into society as that. You know, I talk about uh, you know coming down as a thirteen year old with you know, congestive heart failure, living those teenage years and uh, really, you know, pretty much like... Your the, story. The story, yeah. I talk about the transplants and, 
up to that point, which I wrote it, it was uh, I had competed at the U.S. Transplant Games. So that's awesome. Um, but yeah, man, it took. I wrote that book in about three months. You know, it wasn't. That's awesome. So, man. That's a, it's a it's a nice little book. It's not like a quick little bathroom. That's a good, it's a good one. Yeah. Um, Powerful motive, you know, like yeah, I put everything into it. That's so. good, man. It's important to share that stuff because you don't. You, that's the thing is people forget about who's listening or who's watching and who's. Because that's the thing is, I'm a big believer that you don't go through something like that without having a big reason for something bigger than you. So, especially the the go the odds that you had to go through, I don't believe for a second that was an accident. So, um, that, so the the more you can tell that story, the better. Um, now what's your thoughts on now with all this whole process, especially now that you're like, Hey, I'm going to take back my life. I want to make the most of it, be who I'm meant to be, all that stuff. What's your thoughts on, I'm sure now you have every excuse literally in the book, mm-hmm. your fucking heart went, wasn't working. You got one leg, you take a backpack full of medicine. So what's your thoughts on excuses? Because it's even being a fitness coach, you and I are both coaches, mm-hmm. we hear excuses every day. So what are your thoughts on people who let excuses run their life? Yeah, I really think unless it's something super validated, you know, like... And even still that, you had something super validated. Your fucking heart quit working. Right. Your fucking it, leg is gone. Like, yeah. Like, yeah I, <laughs> all right, all right. So I, I see where you're going. So yeah, so I... Uh, I guess I tried to have sympathy, but, but really, like, if it's some little tiny shit, you know, like, hey, I stubbed my toe, or I broke my toe, I can't. I don't have time. My metabolism slow. Exactly, but... yeah. I don't have time. I work all the time, you know, I, you know, but, but in reality, you know, they're really, they go to work, then they come home, and they're on social media all day, and, yep. you know, it, it's all about priorities, you mm-hmm. know, it's not, you know, it, when excuses are more important than priorities, that's, that's where you mess up, yep. you know? And uh, I think all excuses are like assholes, man. They, Everybody's got one. And they all stink, yeah. <laughs> That's right. So One of the best things I've ever heard is uh, if you make uh, excuses for your limitations, you can have them. Because we always find whatever we're looking for. If you want to find an excuse, you could literally have the cure to cancer in your back pocket. But if you are trying to find an excuse, it'll be there. But if you f- try to find a solution, it's going to be there regardless. I think I was talking about this on my, the last podcast I had is – that um, if you whatever you, we find whatever we look for, mm-hmm. you literally were in the worst case of the worst case of the worst case and should not be here right now right. and alive. But you nutted the fuck up mm-hmm. and wanted more, and you found it exactly. And and you still struggle with stuff. I'm sure you mm-hmm. still go through bullshit with your heart or your yeah. leg or whatever. Definitely, you know. So what's your thoughts on on basically the whole keys to overcoming adversity? Because we all have adversity, we all have trials, tribulations, whatever you want to call it. But what are your key golden nuggets to overcoming any adversity? Yeah, so number one, stay the damn course. You know, like, you got to trust the process. I love it. You know, like, you can be on rock bottom. You can be getting shit on by society. You can be have your heart broke by your girlfriend. You can, you know, be in all these health issues. You can do whatever, like, experiencing the worst feelings of your life, you know. You can, like, like... It's normal. You're going to feel that. You're going to feel these feelings. You're going to be depressed. You're going to be down. You're going to be sad. But, you know, like, trust it, you know? Yeah. Like, this is part of it. You know, you got to walk through the downpour to get to the rainbow. You got to get shit on. And even, like, the biggest turds polish when they're shining. Yeah. You, you know what I'm saying? Like, I love it. Like, you got to trust the process and really, like, just believe in yourself, you know? And uh, if you're passionate about something... 
go for it. You know, dream big, set your goals, you know, set a goal here. Once you complete that, set another goal and then have a continual path of goal setting until you reach that dream. And once you reach that dream, dream fucking bigger. Bigger. I love it. Bigger. You know, like always dream. Keep dreaming. Aim high. That's awesome. So um, what's the next step for you? Like what's the big next thing? The big thing, let's see. Uh, you know, this year is busy. Uh, as you said, I, I started, my, uh, started my own brand, my personal training business. Um, cheap plug, Deem Fit. There you go. Uh, I love it. Deem Fit underscore on Instagram. Uh, just Deem Fit on Facebook. Uh, cheap plug. There you go. And, uh, yeah, you know, I, I hope to grow that brand. I hope to, you know, get people to, you know, connect and the trust and the, you know, learn the story and the kind of, you know, see through me, use me as an example that, you know, whatever you're going through in your life, like, it doesn't matter. As long as you want something and you put your mind to it, you're going to achieve that. Yeah. You know, success is, uh, success is only doable through your mindset, you know? Yeah, I was just about to ask that. How much of what you're, you've been through is literally just between your own two ears? Yeah, you know, I, I would say it's 80% mental, you know, 20% physical, you know? Yeah. Um, I think back to those times where... I was pretty much dead in a hospital bed, you know? Yeah. Uh, my body's trash. You know, every, everything was going wrong, you know? But um, my mind was in it. You know, I had struggled for 20 years to get to that point, And I wasn't going to fucking die, you know? Yeah. Like, like, I didn't struggle for 20 years just to be promised a better life, to have the transplant, to have everything fuck up yep. and just to die, you know. I didn't no. come this far to only come this far. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Like, I came here to win. came here to dominate. I came here to walk out of this hospital on my own two feet. And that transitions in everyday life, you 100%. know. 100%. It doesn't have to be a medical issue. It doesn't have to be, you know, it, it can be anything. And if we're talking about fitness-related goals, mm-hmm. you know, like, let's say you want to lose weight, but you haven't been able to do that for years or, you know, you just can't find the motivation or you can't, you know, you can't do something because of whatever reason. Mm-hmm. You know, like, the first process is to get it in your mind. Believe in yourself, you know, like, set the goal, believe in yourself, and really just go for that shit. Go at it, yeah. Go at it, you know, like, go at it to your heart's content. If you're grinding, if you're grinding 12, 16, 18, 20 hours a day, good. Like, good job, man. Good job, like... <laughs> You know, my my philosophy was going through all that, and still to this day, you know, if I'm collapsing in my bed at the end of the night, I've done my job. Yeah. You know, and, um, you know, maybe that's overdoing it. Maybe that's too extreme, but fuck it, man. That's right. Hey, <laughs> hey, if that's what works for you, like, yeah. do that shit. 100%. And do it. Do it to your heart's content. Do it all out, max. It's either zero or 100, and I'm going 1,000. There you go. You know, so... Like, it, well, and that that mentality that's is what literally has kept you alive. Exactly. You know? Yeah. So that's why, especially before we start recording, when we were talking, is just the fact that you went through everything you've gone through, and your mentality and thought processes where it is. I'm telling you, there's not going to be a single little, little obstacle, especially in the professional business world, that's going to stop you. You're just going to destroy every every single one of them. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, definitely. Um. So. And key key takeaways, so to speak, what would you say? Because um, I know we were talking about, you know, you 
really didn't have a whole lot to do the first fucking quarter of your life. Mm -hmm. Um, When people, one of the biggest excuses I'm actually surprised I hear is um, people think they're too late. They're like, oh, well, I'm 40 just trying Mm -hmm. to lose weight. Or, oh, I'm a grandma and I need to get healthier. Oh, whatever. They, They think they're too late. Right. You literally like at in your twenties, like your first quarter of your life is gone. What do you think on on that when people think it's they're too late to go after something? Man, like flat. I don't know what to say. Well, let's just start over. So, <laughs> so like bottom line, uh-huh. it's never too late to start anything. Never. I don't care if you're twenty, if you're thirty, if you're thirty-five, if you're ninety, if you're that sixty-year-old grandma who wants to go get her college degree. Just because she said she did it. Like, do that shit. Go for it. You know, like, uh, and in my case, you know, two decades have, have passed now. And I missed out on childhood and the teen years yeah. and all those memories. But I'm creating better ones. You know, mm-hmm. like, I'm using that passion and, you know, uh, the emotions that I felt from that to excel. And just in under in under two short years, you know. Yeah. I'm a seven-time meddling national and world champion. You know, I've wrote a book. I've opened up my fitness brand. You know, I went back and I graduated college, you know. and That's crazy. Like, it's never too late to do anything, you know. It's only too late if you are dead set on Maybe that idea. Too late. Yeah. How much do you think um, a problem that people have is they keep focusing on – do you think this is a problem that people continue to focus on? the current bad situation like you could sit you could literally sit and waller in your own shit all day on Mm -hmm. well my heart didn't work my leg got cut off i spent the first 20 years of my life in hell like do you think too many people who are unhappy with their current circumstances spend too much time thinking about that and not enough time putting that mental capacity to where they want to be or what do you think about that yeah exactly i you know that's exactly what i think i think i think we're too busy living in the past you know, to appreciate what we have now and to utilize, you know, those skills and that knowledge and, you know, what we've learned from that past and apply it to the future. Mm-hmm. You know, because, I mean, it's a past for a reason and we've gone through it and hopefully, hopefully we've learned lessons from it. Yeah. You know, and, uh, you know, leave that shit in the past. Yeah. Like, do you, do your future, be the best you possible, period. Yeah. My thing is, um, is we have the one thing, and then you, you, I don't think you realize you were talking about it. Um, regardless of our circumstances, we have control over our thoughts. Exactly. And your thoughts is what everything else follows suit with. Um, and when you're, even you said when you were in the in the bed, you were in the hospital, you were stuck there. You said, "I'm not. I did not come this far to only come this far," and that that's a thought. Mm-hmm. You literally had to control where you're freaking brain is at where what you're thinking the thoughts you're, you're gonna cons- that's gonna consume you which ultimately dictate your reality because if you would have said you know what i think this is it um this is it we probably wouldn't be talking right now exactly you know yeah the my mind was the only thing that was strong in that mm-hmm. there's a there's a another book i can't remember what it's called but it was a similar situation but in the holocaust where um where that they, the whole book was about um the one thing they couldn't take away from them was the way they think and that's what got them through that. Mm-hmm. That's why That's why one of the biggest things I push and talk to people about is no matter how shitty your situation is, you can control the way you think. And if you can control the way you think, you can control the outcome of any circumstance. Exactly. You know, it's like, like uh, I think it's Tony Robbins that talks about life doesn't happen to you. It happens because of you. 
And that changes the whole perception of the way shit happens. Because I promise you, dude, there's more, there's bigger reasons than you have any idea that you're still here. You know, I'm sure you would agree to that. Yeah, definitely. I I agree with that 100%. Mm -hmm. Is there anything else you want to tell everybody, dude? Anything else? Yeah, uh, ultimately, I want to thank you for having me on your Absolutely, podcast. Man. It's such a pleasure, man. Absolutely. Like, like I'll always a good time to catch oh, up. Oh, for with sure. You. Um, if someone wants to reach out or consume any of your content, what's some uh, ways they can get a hold of you? Yo, uh, Facebook.com slash Deem Fit, D-E-E-M as in Mary, and then Fit, just one word. Um, and I got an Instagram page, too. It's uh, the same thing, Deem Fit, but with an underscore at the end. Um, and they can just direct message me. Uh, I have an email on there too. Perfect. You can click on that. Uh, and, uh, yeah, just reach out, say, Hey, we can talk. Uh, if you just want, if you want a little kick in the ass or there something, you go, you know, man. I, I'll give it to you. Like that, <laughs> good. That's, that's good. You is know, your, uh, is your book on Amazon? It's on, yeah. Amazon.com. Uh, just, just Google it. Heart of a champion. Dylan Dean. Right Perfect, man. Yeah. Awesome, man. Well, I'm super glad to have you on the podcast. So, yeah, thanks, dude. Yeah, not a problem, man. My pleasure. All right, guys. Thank you so much for listening into the podcast today with Dylan. Be sure and like this and share it with your friends. And if you'd like, leaving a review would mean a ton to me. So tune in next time for the next episode of the Hamilton Train podcast. I'll talk to you soon.